friend. Welcome back to the Jasmine Star Show. I don't have a crystal ball, but I have a prediction about your future. Today's episode is going to completely change your life and your business. Okay, so how did I do? Would you pay me to do future readings for you? I, I know, I know. It, this could be a lofty statement, but I want you to hear me out because my guest today is Berna Anat, and she is the perfect combination of hilarious and brilliant when it comes to finances. Okay, she's hilarious and brilliant when it comes to other things, I'm sure. But today we're going to talk about the money, 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 cha-ching. Yeah, why? Why am I doing these jokes? It's like the minute I became a mom, I was like, every sentence is the opportunity for a really bad sound effect or a mom joke. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, let's get back to Verna. After paying off $50,000 of debt, she saved up to quit life and become a financial hype woman full time. Hey, and the good news is that she's been traveling the world ever since. She really has this really cool life, a really cool personality, a really cool perspective. Her work has been featured on platforms like Forbes and New York Times and BuzzFeed. I mean, she's just a really brilliant person who cares about people understanding their relationship to money and how money can work for them in their lives and their business. So, Back to why this episode is going to change your life. Berna's advice in our conversation is so high level, yet delivered in a way that everyone, yes, me, you, my mama, my mama's mailman, can relate to and understand. You're going to learn the three questions to ask yourself to uncover your beliefs around money, how to create a budget for your personal life and your business, and how many bank accounts you should have as a business owner or a freelancer, and a lot more. Now, I know, y'all, I said a bad word. I said a word that begins with a B that makes many of us, including your girl here, cringe. I hate the word budget. I hate it. Like, it it makes my insides curdle like some old milk. And you want to know what? Berna made that curdled milk palatable and made me excited to step into what the future could and should be. This is seriously one of the most fun interviews I have ever done. And I know you're going to love Berna as much as I do. Let's listen in on our conversation so you can decide for yourself. Y'all prepare your hearts because I'm about to reveal the expert level creep that I am. <laughs> I had the opportunity to be introduced. I have to give a shout out to our podcast manager, Christy. She said for a few months, for a few months, she said, you have to connect with this girl. You have mm-hmm. to connect this girl. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I will, I will, I will. And I went into the vortex that is Berna. I went to her website. I understood the copy. I understood what she did. I understood that she's like basically a savant when it comes to finances, but doesn't ever make you feel low or dumb about it. But I have to tell you that the thing that actually connected me to Berna in a real creepy, tangible way is I spent a hot minute on her YouTube channel and I start talking to Berna. And next thing you know, I'm like, we're just BFFs because there is a person who sees my inner weird, not so funny, tries to be cool, 16 year old person. And that's what you're going to listen to today. Some financial mic dropping moments with a little bit of like 13 year old boy humor. We're here for it. Berna, welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. Thank you so, so, so much, Jasmine. I'm psyched to be here. I'm hyped to be here, should I say, as financial hype woman. Um, and I connect with all of it. I'm just so happy that like 
it's a conversation between like adult you and adult me, but I think really it's a conversation between like weird teen you and weird teen me being like, we found each other. I get it. I see you. Yay. Well, the inner teeny bopper in me sees and honors the really cool swagalicious teeny bopper in you. Okay. Thank you. Um, I have to tell you, I have been a fan of your videos and I'm going to be, I'm going to have like a little TikTok moment where I'm going to do a little voice overlay. No, I'm just kidding. But there's a quote. There's a quote. I know, no, no. There's a quote from your videos. Do you think you could win at Monopoly if no one told you the rules of the game? No. Money is a game we're all forced to play, but no one told you the rules, especially for people of color. Don't you wish you had as much money as you had melanin? Ah, Hey, okay. Berna, what what is the financial hype woman and how did you get started with learning the rules of the game and how can you break that down for us? Of course, of course. So financial hype woman, and anytime anybody hears that, they're always like, they kind of get this look in their eye like, okay, all right, because it's made up. I completely made up my job. Um, I'm a financial educator, but I call myself a financial hype woman because I felt like the finance world, the money world really needed a hype woman. The job of a hype woman is to stand behind you, the star, (laughs) the star, the main character of your life, which is you. And just be like, yeah, 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 get it girl. You're doing so good. I love you. That's the best. Wait, maybe that's not the best. A little right to the camera. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Like that is what a hype woman's supposed to do. (laughs) And I noticed, uh, and I'll tell you more about my financial journey, but there's so little hype so little positivity inside of our financial journeys. We bring a lot of shame. We bring a lot of baggage to the money conversation. And I think the very first level of what I offer is hype. Is like, you know what? When you come to my channel, when you come to my community, it might be the first time ever in your life that you felt excited to talk about money, that someone has talked to you about money in the lens of humor, in the lens of relativity, in the lens of memes and pop culture. And so when I call myself a financial hype woman, I'm saying like, okay, all the other money corners of the world, you know, they're stuck. What I like to say is, the finance world is hella male, hella pale, and hella stale. If that's not your bag, then come over here. Like we got cookies, we got lemonade, we got brown people, we got melanin, like come <laughs> to this corner over here. So that's like what, for me, be, what being a financial hype woman is all about. I absolutely love it. I'm so happy that I get to speak to the female cooler millennial embodiment of Flava Flav. Okay, so <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. You need a you need a, a big like a giant money sign. That's that, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you need. We are going to get into some deep topics around guilt and shame about money, but. Why do you think it's important to get a handle on your finances, specifically as an entrepreneur? Like there's a lot of people in the game who, you know, floss on social. Why do you really need to get your numbers straight from the beginning? Yes. So financial health, I think, is such an important part of just like the core of our bodies. You know, we talk so much about you need to get your mind right and your soul right and your body right. We live in a world where it's it's an inescapable truth. Money is the language of power in this world. It's capitalism. Mm. We have to play by certain rules of the game inside of capitalism in order to quote unquote win in a lot of ways. And so financial health, I think, is a really important part of our overall health. I always say that financial care and money care is self-care because it affords you so many of the things that make you feel safe in the world. You know, you you having a roof over your head makes you feel safe. You having food in the fridge makes you feel safe. Knowing when's the next time you're going to get food in the fridge, can you keep the roof over your head? That makes you feel safe. All of those things cost money. And so money care is absolutely self-care. And as an entrepreneur, what's funny to see, um, and for myself as a budding entrepreneur and like a business owner, it's funny to have to challenge yourself to get your 
business's finances together when you don't have your own finances together. You know, so many of us come to the entrepreneurship world and we're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta form this LLC and I get this budget right. And then you're like, wait, what's a budget? Is that something I should have been doing in my normal life? Probably, whatever. Nobody look at that. Let's just get this right. You know, like there are so many financial principles that apply to both the personal side and the entrepreneurship side. And a lot of them are sort of interchangeable. And so when we teach ourselves how to budget, either for your business or for personal, it's really just about taking care of the of your life or taking care of your business. It's plugging in like the blood that you need to keep the business going. It's the same thing as plugging in all the essential things in your life to keep your, your life going. So it's, it's super important and it can be really complicated and, and scary seeming from the outside. But I love to say that like budgeting is an ugly word for a beautiful thing. And I like to try to get people excited about budgeting for their personal life so they get excited about budgeting for their entrepreneurship life too. Okay, Berta, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump yes. in. I'm going to jump in. Okay, because right now, I mean, I have a ton of things I want to ask you, but right now I want us to speak to the person who hears the word budget, who normally likes the podcast because, oh, she likes how I make her feel and she gets inspired <laughs> But, but then she like hears budget. this. Yeah. Like, so to her, what I love, what my focus is on is on transformation is yeah. that the goal for me is every podcast that drops, you're transformed. You're a different person after listening to the episode. So work us backwards. When this person stops at the end of this podcast, who are they? How do they feel? And how are they different knowing how this game ends in the next 30 minutes? Yep, absolutely. So I think the number one thing that we always have to deal with when we talk about money and the reason that people feel like when you talk about budgeting or you talk about investing is the shame that we all bring to the money conversation, especially when you are a person of color, a woman of color, when you're a child of immigrants, when basically you're not hella male or hella pale or hella stale, there's a lot of baggage we bring to the money conversation. And the first thing that I want to say, and like the only transformation that really matters to me when I talk to anybody about money is to work your way out of the shame because the shame is what's keeping us ignorant about money. The shame mm-hmm. is what's stopping us from learning more. It's what's stopping us from going, all right, how do I budget? How should I invest? Like, what does that even mean? It's this baggage that we carry with us, financial baggage and financial traumas that we carry with us throughout our entire lives that stops us from asking each other questions. And when we stop asking each other questions, when we stop sharing about our financial lives, we stunt our growth, we stunt our money, we stunt our health. And so before anything, before people are like, give me my, give me investment tips or how do my budget? I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's unpack. I'm like, let's unpack your money baggage. What shame are you bringing to the money conversation and why? Who taught you to be ashamed about your money? Who taught you to not talk about it? What does your family believe about money? What were you taught by your elders or your parents growing up? And how has that contributed to your negative feelings about money right now? If we don't fix that, we're never going to learn anything. All of it is just going to be paint on top of the scars. It's going to be band-aids on top of the wounds, but you got to heal them from the inside, your financial wound, your financial trauma from the inside to go, you know what? I am worthy of building my money. I am worthy of figuring out my budgeting, my saving situations. Because otherwise people are just sort of like, I guess, I guess. And the, the good habits and the tricks and the tips and the cute apps and hacks, whatever, they don't stick. Okay. So before we actually get into like the, this was a major detour. Didn't see this coming like squirt. Like we just swerved here. So I know that when we talk about money specifically as a Brown girl from the hood, I Mm -hmm. never spoke about money. And when I started my business, I never spoke about my money. I didn't even speak about money with my family. And then all of a sudden in 2016, I enter into the digital world of running a business and people talk about money. Like they're talking about 
I mean, they're talking about the weekend plans and they just talk about like how much money they need in a launch or in a sale. And I'm sitting there and I'm shook on the inside. And I had to do the work of understanding where these stories coming from and why do I feel a certain thing towards it? So somebody who's listening now, we know Berna is not a shrink, although she has the voice of one. Like you can literally give some really great advice. What are three questions? Somebody right now, like how do I start unpacking? Now, obviously this is going to be a different episode when bring Berna back for, but to do the work right now, what are the three questions that somebody can help move the needle in unpacking shame, fear, or doubt around money? Yes. So one thing that I like to start off with, I literally start my workshops off with this on a, on a worksheet or piece of paper, you know, back when we could have workshops where we could <laughs> hand each other pieces of paper. That was cute. Don't we miss that? I miss that. So cute and we could do that. But I would tell people to write a letter to their money. Dear money, I wish dot, dot, dot. If you were writing, it's kind of like when people say like, oh, you're still thinking about that ex or that person who did you wrong. You don't want to talk to them though. You just have all these pent up feelings. Write the letter to them that you're never going to send them. Write that letter to your money as if they were a person. The reason this is so incredibly transformative and I've seen my budgeting clients and kind of community to go through it is you start to see the connection between your money and your feelings and your history. I had one person who started their money, you know, dear money, I wish you would X, Y, Z. She did her letter. She came back to me in tears because she was like, everything I wrote about my money, it's the exact same feelings that I have about my absent father. Everything, everything. So she was like, money, I wish you stuck around more money. I wish I felt like I deserved you. I deserved your attention. I felt like I did. I wish I felt like I deserved your abundance. Um, and then she started to sort of write and write and make the connections. And she realized because that her father was the purse holder in her life, the bag holder, but was so in and out of her life, she started to make the connection of like money and paternal attention. And she was like, hold. And then it's like skirt, hold up. I need a therapist to get up in this. But she realized that what was holding her back about wanting to pursue her financial freedom journey was she was equating money with like the lack of love that she got from her dad. Now, not everybody's going to get that deep. It might not get that deep at all when you're Mm -hmm. writing your letter to money, but the fact that you can uncover those, Mm -hmm. the the muck underneath, it really kind of cleans house. So you can fully understand what your money brain looks like from the beginning and then start to rebuild it from there. So I tell people, write a letter to your money. It doesn't matter if it's really, I don't, I don't care if it's like, Hey money. And you start to write like Cardi B lyrics. I don't care. As long <laughs> as it's honest, start talking back to your money. Cause it's a thing that has existed in your life. Your money brain has existed in your life since the very beginning. I also like to ask people, what was the first negative experience you ever had with money? Maybe it's something that happened in your family. Somebody made your mom feel bad about something she couldn't afford. Or you remember this time that somebody called you broke or like, what is the first, first negative experience you had with money? And how did that kind of escalate up to the way you feel about money now? A lot of folks, you know, they maybe saw their parents dealing with, for example, my parents were really caught up in the housing crisis of 2008. And it was really common for, I'm a Philippine American, it was really common for other Philippine American families to sort of gather each other in the housing bubbles and be like, hey, if you remortgage your house eight times, you can buy these three other houses in the middle of nowhere. Amazing. <laughs> when, you know, so of course you're sort of vulnerable to that kind of thing. And then basically my, my parents were kind of flipped upside down in the, the housing crisis, then they filed for bankruptcy. And I realized that the shame and the quietness and the we don't talk about it and the the bills that get shoved under the table, that all contributed to how I felt very like, nobody talked to me about money. Nobody say anything about money. It's shameful. We don't share it. And so all those things, all those exercises kind of really dig into the 
money trauma that you don't think about when you're just like whipping out your debit card from day to day. And it's important to look at. Mm, Dang. So when we people who are listening, who are familiar and maybe unfamiliar with who you are and what you do, we just got like some real deep inner work, stuff that you have done. But let's peel it back a little bit. So during this housing crisis, how old are you? Yes, I was. It was all around like ages 16 to 18. Okay, that's crazy because you end up paying off, if if I read it correctly, like $50,000 in student debt. $38,000 in student loan debt and $12,000 in credit card debt. Whew. Oh, okay. So you are able to sit front row with the shame that you, or that you see your parents dealing with, with hiding, like being overwhelmed with the financial crisis and properties yes. and bankruptcy. You go to college, you get educational debt, you get personal debt. How do you pay this? How do you pay this down? Can you break it down for somebody who might be feeling maybe not under the weight of 50,000, but they're under the weight of debt? How did you do that? What was the first thing that you did? Sure. So the very first thing I started to do, basically what got me to believe I could actually pay off my debt was a better paying job. I was freelance. I was freelance uh, video and writer in uh, video producer and writer in New York City. And I was just like, I'm broke. And it's so cute and fun being broke in New York City because we're young. Eh, like everyone's whipping out their Bank of America app at happy hour and like transferring money over from margaritas. <laughs> it's just so cute to be fun and broke. And that was like cute at the time, right? And I mean, thank God nothing catastrophic happened at the time. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Verna, Verna, I have to jump in because I'm going to be that terrible friend at dinner who everybody rolls their eyes with because it's like, I'm about to tell somebody right now a skit, like this quasi skit that I saw on SNL and people try to talk about SNL and they try to recount how funny it is and it's not funny to people listening, but I'm about to break down this scene. There's this scene on Verna's YouTube channel where she is talking about how she was young and broke and she's sitting there and she opens her phone and they're on her phone. (laughs) It sees that she has no money and it says and the phone is talking back to her and it says you ain't got no money and she's like next round on me like i'm telling you verna i was dying i was cackling i thought it was so appropriate and inappropriate all at the same time so this is me ruining the story but i'm really making it colorful for listeners i because i feel like i was sitting at that bar with you and people were all sending money back and forth so now let's get so you're young broke you're passing around a bank of america app and you have no money in it and you're like it's so cute but not really we're adorable. It was like, it was like, it's like the broke people Olympics. It was always that in New York city. It was like complaining how broke you are, but like in this way of just like, brokenness is part of my personality. Like we broke together when really we were terrified, terrified, confused. We had no idea what was going on. So what really started my financial journey was I got a full-time job. It wasn't a ton of money, but it was still like, oh my God, I'm going to get an IV drip of money every other Friday. And there's no excuse at this point for me then not to, because I was always like, I'm freelance. Like budget what money? What are you talking about? I don't know. I even know when my next paycheck's coming. Cute and broke. Um, but now that money was coming every other Friday, I was like, all right, well, it's on a routine. Let's see what I can do. And when I started to like Google how to budget, because I really want to pay off my debt, it seems like what I'm getting from other like bros in the podcast and the self-help world that we need to learn how to budget in order to pay off our debt. Okay, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. You know that the meme of the cat that's just doing like that on a keyboard? Yes. <laughs> that was me when I was like starting to learn how to budget. I was like, how to... And um, there are spreadsheets and there are apps and all this stuff. And I tried them for a few months, but none of them worked. They all... Mm. Blah, sucked for me. So I started doing what I had been doing my entire life and I was journaling. I just started to journal about my money every time I got a paycheck. I did this all in the Google Doc. I would just, it'd be Friday at 10 a.m., payday. I would open up the Google Doc and just be like, well, 
here I am with my paycheck, same as last two weeks. What did I even do with it? I don't know. What do I want to spend it on? I guess we're going to figure it out. And I would just like literally just Google my feelings every two weeks about it. And that's how I started to really see patterns in my own spending. And it wasn't a spreadsheet and it wasn't an app. It was my own sort of like emotional, like scroll of how I spend my money every two weeks, which was so revealing. And I was like, hmm, what if I started to like give myself spending challenges? Like I see through many weeks of kind of tracking for myself that I spent a butt ton of money at Trader Joe's and it's like 80 to 90 bucks every time. What if I make myself only spend like $40 every time I go there? I didn't know at the time that I, that's literally budgeting. <laughs> That's budgeting. I was just like, F budgeting. I'm going to give myself spending challenges and journal about it. That is budgeting, you crazy. But I had to find my way. I had to find my way. That's the thing is like, I had to find my way into the financial journey and I had to forge my own path because all of the, hey, start a spreadsheet, use this app, read this book, like was not working for me. And not to mention all the people who are giving that advice, again, hella male, hella pale. Hellasdale. Like these books were like, oh, okay. So you know how when you, uh, your parents transfer the trust fund over to you when you're 18, I'm like, what? Parents, what? As so tone deaf, so little folks who look like me and you and sound like me and you. Um, those are the first two things that I saw. Of course, they're just like the methods aren't working and the voices and faces that are speaking at me aren't working either. So that's kind of how I, how I started and how I got to actually paying off my debt was this is where it starts to get like more tactical, but basically budgeting is giving yourself rules with how you're going to spend your money every time you get money. And the way that you pay off debt is baking the sort of like payoff rules into, baking a pay, like a debt payoff rule into those rules you give yourself. So when you budget, what you want to do is every time you get a paycheck, you've already got preset rules. All right, I get my paycheck. Usually it's like, we got our paycheck and you're just like, well, I do whatever I want. I spend it. I did it. I hope I have room for rent at the end of this. It's Friday night. So tequila shots, blah. When you're budgeting, when you're very consciously budgeting, what you want to do is you get your paycheck and you do something called zero-based budgeting, which is basically, quote unquote, spend that entire paycheck as soon as you get it. So as soon as you get it, you're like, all right, how do I get all the way down to zero in covering all of my essentials and also baking in a little bit of fun money for myself, right? And so budgeting is following those rules every single, time, every single time you get a paycheck. And then debt payoff is basically putting in a line item, like a bill of like, this is how much debt I need to pay every single month to get to my payoff date in the future. Um, and we can get into all the tacticals of that, but it was, I just got so excited about like making up my own rules for spending my money and then trying to figure out those rules every other Friday. And if the rules doesn't, doesn't work for that time, change it up again. That was all budgeting. I just didn't even know what to call it at the time. Okay, we have to put we have to pause here because you say every other Friday, which makes me think of Friday the movie, which makes me think of the origins of Bye Felicia. Are you going to break down the origins of Bye Felicia for those of the people who don't know? Absolutely. Okay, so this giant Google Doc that I told you I started my sort of money journal, um, I started to call it, I, I put it really big at the top, I called it Felicia's Wallet, because at the time, by Felicia, the joke was hitting really big and everybody was like, Bye, Felicia. I want to see what her passport looks like. She's always going somewhere. I was like, I want to see what her wallet looks like. How does she afford to go to all these places? So I called it Felicia's wallet. Um, but as I explained in one of the videos, by Felicia is not just a random joke that people start to say. The origins of by Felicia, by Felicia is a line from an iconic classic movie uh, called Friday, starring Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. And 
Felicia is a hilarious character in which she goes up to Chris Tucker and Ice Cube who are chilling on the porch. And she asks, she asks if she could use the VHS to dub a tape, which could really show you like when that movie was. <laughs> she asked to borrow a VHS. She was asking for stuff. They were like, we're not trying to bother with you, whatever. Basically they dismiss her and they're like, bye Felicia. And she walks away. It's like such a forceful dismissal and such an iconic line. And when it was getting used over and over again, I was like, I think half these people have never seen this VHS. They've never seen the Friday VHS like me and my siblings did growing up. <laughs> Had to let the people know exactly where it came from. Can't be appropriating this kind of stuff. Right, because exactly. Like people, we less are con we're less concerned with Felicia's passport and more concerned with her wallet because baby girls got to pay her way to get there. Okay, so you start this journal. It's basically a Google Doc. You decide to call it Felicia's Wallet. At what point in the game do you realize, oh, hey, this could also work for entrepreneurs? Ah, so it's funny because they sort of, they they dance together in a really weird way. So I started to, I, I started that Google Doc and it was entirely just personal for me, right? And probably six or seven months in, I was like, I'm going to share it and see what people think about it. I put it on my Instagram, a little boomerang of me scrolling through the, through the doc and it like exploded. A lot of people in my network were just like, a brown woman talking about budgeting? Like, what world is this? And it was just such a conversation that I was like, I think we kind of have something here. And so I didn't start off being like, I'm the, now I'm going to start this business and become like a, fin a, a finfluencer, which is apparently what they call us now, a finfluencer. You're fancy. Like, You're real fancy. You're real fancy. <laughs> or did I completely make up a name to make myself sound cool? Yes, both. Either way. I, yeah, either way. We're good. Either way. And so as I start to share and share the journey and share more about what I'm learning about debt, credit card debt, okay, paid up my credit card debt. What are we learning about emergency savings? Like just sharing and all sharing all of my learnings out loud. Then I started to think like, okay, this could maybe be a thing because what happened when I paid off my debt, and this was very calculated between me and my partner, uh, we met each other and we're both like, let's, let's get on like a debt payoff schedule together. And then let's do something crazy. Like quit our jobs. And so we did. We both paid off our student loan debt at the same time. And then we both quit our jobs and we went traveling through, uh, backpacking through Asia for uh, about 10 months, almost a year. And-, and Wait, 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 wait. I'm a storyteller. What were you doing? What was he doing at the time? Yes. And did you guys literally pay it off on the same day? We or like, how close are we looking here? Because I want to be like, like Sally Mae, let me show you this. And then you guys like, and then what? And then is it like tequila shots? Like, like tell me the, 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 the 411. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's so funny because like there were no tequila shots and there was no high prone. Of course it was like click and like, uh, uh, yay, like self-celebration. <laughs> um, I was working at Instagram at the time, actually. I worked at Instagram. I was sort of a teen teen translator, I would say. Like I, my job was to translate teen culture inside of Instagram. I was there for two years and my partner, Peter, was at the YMCA. And so we're both in San Francisco and we both decided to, quit our, to get on this debt payoff journey and quit our jobs at the same time around October, 2018. And we put our two weeks in, in the same week. And we both hit like our very last submit payment, I think within a week of each other. And we have video actually of me hitting submit payment at all. And both of us freaking out. My mom being like, you have to take pictures, drink. Like this is a very cute home video, which I can send you later. But there was, there was a whole moment. And then it was like, oh my God, like the next chapter of our life is beginning. It's crazy. That is amazing. Okay. So you guys travel for, you guys travel for 10 months and you're like, let's do this crazy thing. Like we quit our jobs. And then what happens? Like you guys land back in the States in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Like, do you mm -hmm. stay there? Like what happens? 
Yes. So I am lucky that to stay here because so much of my family is here. I was born and raised here in San Francisco Bay Area. So this was already the plan when we got back. I was like, mom, can we kick it in your home? <laughs> and they were like, of course. my Filipino family of so many brown families are like, are you kidding? Don't be dumb. Like, come, let's go do this. And of course, there's lots of, you know, kind of residual shame there for us of being like, are we going backwards? Are we not independent anymore? But then I had to like recounsel myself and be like, this is a privilege that I get to come live with my family, that I get to, I have a family that I feel safe with that is offering me space and my partner space. And we get to sort of like financially recuperate after our 10 months of like literal shenanigans in Asia. And when we got back to San Francisco, when he was like, okay, I think I'm gonna go back to work with the Y. And this is where I was like, uh-oh, what do I do? Do I go back to Instagram? Like I, I made sure that I'm a big, you know, first gen Asian daughter people pleaser. So when I left Instagram, I was like, love, love, love. Two months, like notice. Love me. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I go back to Instagram or this financial education thing is kind of taking off. Like, can I be a business owner? Can I be an entrepreneur? And I want to tell you, Jasmine, actually that like one of the things that blows my mind the most about being an entrepreneur is like before that moment, I had told myself for years, like, you know, I can never be an entrepreneur. I don't think I could ever do it. I was always like, I like to have a manager and I like structure and I'm always going to be such a good worker bee. And then after this breakthrough of financial freedom and a year abroad, I was like, maybe I can do it. Maybe, let's try. And the way that I sort of set up my financial side of my life was I was like, I don't know what it means to be an entrepreneur or set up a business, but I do know how I got myself feeling financially fit and strong enough to pay off my debt, save up to go abroad and live abroad. I'm just going to apply the same principles to my business in terms of like when I get a paycheck, I'm going to split it up amongst all the things that I need until I get to zero. I'm going to build up an emergency savings so that if my business goes bad, I have three to six months of floating. You know, I'm going to set up separate accounts for all the different things that I need so that I never reach into the wrong pots for stuff. And so far it's worked out really well, but you know, I'm still a baby. So okay, Berna. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay. You have to. You have to speak to me like I'm five because sometimes I'm special. Like here I am. I'm painting the picture. You're in San Francisco. You're you move in with your parents. Your partner goes back to the Y. I'm sure your mom and dad love having you there and sipping on coffee. And you know, occasionally everyone's doing somebody else's laundry. I've been there, done that. Talk to me. Like I've I've walked that life. Okay. <laughs> so there's that, and it's wonderful. But how do you get money? Like when you're like I'm budgeting. I'm like, what are you budgeting? Where's your money coming from? Oh my gosh. At that point. So I had to kind of shift gears and go back into my freelance mode. So I was freelance before I had the full-time job for many, many years when I was like being cute and broke. And that's when I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to work two sides of the system. One side of the system is what does it mean to be an influencer, a creator who gets money from brands? What does that even mean? You know, I've had, while we were abroad, I had a couple of brands approach us, uh, approach me and be like, hey, do you want to do sponsored posts? You want to do sponsored videos? So I was like, okay, I could work that side of the entrepreneurship, like that income flow side. And on the other side though, like those things are so sporadic and you can't find them. A lot of them, I wasn't pitching myself a lot. A lot of them was just incoming. And so I was like on the other side to sort of bankroll this, I need to like light the fire back under my freelance butt and reach back out to all my old freelancing clients, my old editors, all the folks that have tweeted at me about like, oh, I love your work, blah, blah, blah. Then I was like, how much, how much do you love my, my budgeting and financial work? Because I write and I make videos and you know I can consult and all these things. And so I just sort of repitch myself to all of my old like freelance network folks and be like, so I know that I was doing this before, but I'm all about budgeting now. Do you want to talk about it? And that was super interesting. So of course it took a little bit of time to like 
kind of get my network to go like, what are you doing now? What are you asking of us? But that was a much more regular income flow versus the sort of creator life of like sponsors, brands, which is like a whole other, a whole other world. Okay. This is brilliant. This is amazing because it's actually the next question I wanted to ask is what do you recommend business owners do to really set up their finances from the front end? But this is like, this is super, super personal. I want to say, number one, thank you for bringing us in that journey and explaining the revenue streams, because there's a ton of people listening who want to pursue the life of being an entrepreneur, but it's their side hustles because they really do need that two week IV drip of funds, which, Hey, no tea, no shade. Every week I've been there, done that too. Then there are the people who have freelancing. So what you're saying is as long as you have a, a stream of income, how then do you set yourself up for success as an entrepreneur? Like what are the things, preliminary things that people need to like lay out? Yes, 100%. So from the outset, just financial responsibility in general, you have to keep your personal and your business money completely separate. And by separate, I don't mean like business checking account and personal checking account. I mean like I would use separate banks entirely. Like I, I like the mechanism of logging into a personal bank account and logging into a business bank account. It separates my money. It also separates my brain and separates my soul and my life so that these things don't interconnect. Those, this is super important one because I, from the beginning, understood that I need to treat my business as like my employer and my personal life separate. So I pay myself. You know, like if, if I make money, for example, a company sponsors an Instagram post uh, from me, you know, way back in the beginning of my kind of journey, they sent me a paycheck that would hit my business checking account. And then I would set myself up as like a, like set myself up for like a payday mm -hmm. every other Friday mm -hmm. and transfer money to myself every other Friday. So basically my business, I've set it up as much as I could to feel like the way it felt when I worked for a nine to five. I had a specific payday every other Friday. I tried to shoot for it to be a specific amount because I knew how much it took to run my usual life because I already budgeted on my personal side. I had sort of the number that I needed every two weeks to live my personal life. So I'm like, all right, well, my paychecks have to be at least that big every other Friday. And so I had a, like a payday set up for myself and I was transferring from those different accounts. So you absolutely need separate bank accounts. I would say it's the same way that I tell people on the personal budgeting side, you need a few checking accounts to separate out the different sections of your life, you know, adulting, ratchetry, what I like to call it, which is fun, um, different savings accounts for the different things you're trying to save for. And emergency savings is huge. Same exact thing on the business side. I was like, on the business side, I need an account where my money is going to come into, uh, a savings account to save for taxes, because as an entrepreneur, you need to save separately for taxes. You have to take out that, that ish for yourself. So you need a separate savings account. I needed a checking account just for, like I have a bills account on the personal side. I have a bills account on the business side. This is to pay for the web hosting and any kind of um, employees that I, or like freelancers and contractors that I employ, I'm paying for, you know, the random things in my business. So to separate out and designate all these separate accounts is super, super important for entrepreneurs in the very beginning. So somebody is just like, oh, Berna, I have my business and I, you see, I'm a photographer and I also have a paycheck. And when I yes. get paid for my clients, I just get that check and I put it into an account and then I pay what I need to to get paid, what do I do now? You're saying that this person can walk into the bank, sit down with a representative and say, I have a business and I want to separate my business account from my personal account. And then within that business account, I want to make sure that I'm covering money for my taxes and um, my regular ongoings like web hosting and things of that nature. And they will be like, sure, we gotcha. Is it just the act of going in 
and saying, this is what I need help with. And then they do it. Cause right now I don't want somebody to hear this and be like, wait, I have to go and set up 15 new accounts. Like, oh my gosh. Like how do, how, how do I get people taking action outside of the three questions they need to ask themselves around their emotions, around money and writing themselves a letter is after Mm -hmm. this is like, just go and do. And is the action go to your bank and handle it? Is that it? Is it that yes. easel? Okay. Well, it's even easier than that. You don't actually even have to talk to any humans for a lot of these amazing online banks. So for example, you know what, um, Berna, I'm just, I'm acting like it's 1997. I'm like, <laughs> go into the bank, get on your horse and carriage and then ring that right. Wear a plume. Uh, sign the contract. Yeah, you're right. Do it online. Woo. Well, they don't like, well, well, it's almost like I would almost recommend doing online first and trying to see, because whenever I would go to these banks, I actually did, you know, in the before times, you know, the before times I went to Chase Bank, which is where I do my business banking. And I was like, I actually want to open up these five accounts. And they were like, five, we got a business checking. We have a business savings for you. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I need three checkings and two savings. And they were like, why? And I was like, oh, okay, I have to explain to you how I think budgeting works. Here we go. I need, for my taxes. I, need for, I need an emergency savings for my business. I need a tax savings for my business. I need a checking account for my bills. I need a checking account for like, for where I keep all my paycheck money. And then I need a checking account for where the paychecks land. That's what I need. And they were just like, I mean, I get, they're just like, they're not used to dealing with that kind of money mentality. And so it was a lot easier actually for me to just open up these bank accounts online because there's nobody questioning me about my methods. The crazy thing is so many of us on the personal side were taught from the beginning, like you have a checking account and you have a savings account and that's all you need to the end of the day. But we don't realize that that's like, that's confusing the heck out of our money because then our tequila money is in there like, you know, cuddling with our rent money. And then we get all confused. We don't know what the hell is in there. And so banks, even on the business side, kind of work that same way. They're like, why would you need more than one? Like, that's not, I'm like, no, 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 no. See, mm-hmm. I, I left that. I broke up with that mentality and I'm going to set up as many bank accounts as I need to make my brain feel good about this. Mm-hmm. And my brain needs five. So do it. Um, you know, I'm like, do you want my money or not? Like <laughs> I'll go to a different bank if that's what you want. You're being weird. Um, but online banks make it super easy to do that too. And there are some banks like I would say Simple Bank and Ally Bank that actually make it so that you can open up a checking account either on the personal or business side and open up inside that checking account different buckets for the things that you need. You could even designate this bucket should have $60 in it all the time. This bucket should always have $40 in it because it's my Trader Joe's, whatever. Um, so some online banks make that super easy for you. But yeah, go for it. Speaking of ease, is there any sort of system that I deposit a certain amount and then automatically a certain percentage goes into accounts? Or is this something that like as a business owner, we need to be very cognizant of? I believe at this point, I haven't found any technology that does that for me in a comfortable way. Berna, let's make it happen. Dude, we need to up level. Look at me. I'm just a hustler. We need to up level (laughs) Felicia's wallet. We need to make this happen. I just can say that now at this point in my business, like I, I'm listening to this and it's like, I just wish that I can go back to my former self and say, listen to this podcast because I was the person who had the one bank account. And I grew up so poor that I never ran out of money. I had plenty of money, came down to pay my taxes. I just never gave myself a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. I just need to pay my bills. And so I wish I had started this much earlier. I'm very thankful to say now in our business, we have a CFO and that's all great. But like for somebody who's listening right now, you're saying that I go back to my former self as a photographer and I get a $10,000 paycheck. I put that business paycheck in my business account. And then I go in manually and take out percentages and put that out. Okay. Parts okay. that stuff up for sure. I think, okay. well, when you have like a nine to five, right. And you have somebody, you have an employer 
giving you a paycheck, you can go to the employer and actually go to HR and be like, hey, I have all these different accounts. Before you give me the paycheck, let me tell you where I want you to parse up and deposit and what percentage of those paychecks. So that's like the wonderful kind of luxury of having an employer. You can just be like, before I even see it, put 30% of my savings account so that I don't even get tempted. And that's so helpful because it automates your savings. On the business side, I haven't found any tool that's better than my own hands going in and being like, all right, 10,000 check. My rule is that I want to save at least 10% of every paycheck. So what's 10% of 10,000? A thousand, right? Yes, Berna, do the math. Cool. A thousand <laughs> transfer. What do you need to run your business? Four hundred fifty dollars this month. Transfer. Um, it could feel daunting, but there are some ways that I've made it feel really fun for myself. For example, it's just like the mechanisms are daunting. There's not a lot around it, but I make it fun for myself by playing a very specific Spotify playlist of all budgeting jams that I have personally curated so that I'm like dancing at the same time as I'm doing it. Um, Wait, I'm so people, sure. I mean, is it is it public? Can people find your oh, Spotify? Yeah. Okay, how do people find this Spotify list? Because maybe it'll inspire them to do that work. What, where, yes. what, are, we, what are we looking for it's, on Spotify? You can look up Hey Burna on Spotify. It's called my, like my money motivation playlist. Specifically, okay, and maybe this will help the entrepreneurs out there. But the other day, Boss by the Carters came onto my Spotify and I literally had to turn it off because I was like, that's my invoicing song. I didn't listen to that <laughs> until I'm invoicing. I specifically turn that song on when I'm in my wave, my book, my bookkeeping software, and I'm sending people reminders for my invoices. Cause she, cause Jay-Z talks about like sending invoices and like being your own boss. And I'm like, mm, mm, mm. you make the positive associations with the music and the actions. And then now I have a lot of fun doing my business bookkeeping because I'm like, we know exactly what time it is. Like, hey, okay. Like Nicki Minaj's LLC, that song. Ugh, I do it whenever <laughs> I'm like doing my LLC and like back end business stuff because it's all about setting up an LLC. And I'm just like in my own music video, basically. These things, like kind of funky, weird mechanisms, make the like kind of eye rolling bookkeeping stuff a lot more fun for me. Uh, I love this. Okay. So as we kind of turn the corner, like you have just like spilled some real, real, real knowledge. I said spilt, but it should have been spit, but I'm just going to keep on rolling with it and just act like I'm cool. Well, Cause you know, just like, out. yeah, you know, like us, like I just make up words and I run with it. Um, okay. So what are the three biggest mistakes that you see in your career of entrepreneurs making? Like if you could just say, please avoid this, like what are the three things? Of, of like creators or entrepreneurs anywhere? Yeah. Like when it comes to their finances, like you're like, this is the pattern I see. Yes. This is what I need to tell you. Yep. Absolutely. I would say, and I'm entirely biased because it, it has worked for me, but to treat yourself like a company, I think a lot of folks kind of see entrepreneurship and their personal life as like one meshed up mm -hmm. thing. And I think a lot of ways that could be good. It could be healthy. And I'm not here to tell you like how to live your life, obviously. But for me, it has been crucial to separate my entrepreneurship brain on the finances side with my personal brain. Mm -hmm. It has been crucial to set up paycheck days for myself. So I know exactly how much money is coming in and when. I think one thing that my sort of like, that I kind of had right about my former entrepreneurship <laughs> brain, which was like, ah, I don't think I ever want to be an entrepreneur. I think it's going to work. I like structure too much. I'm like, you're right you do like structure. So set up that structure for yourself. It isn't necessarily that it means that I can't be an entrepreneur, but in my life, since now I have, I can customize all the things I can set up my own every other Friday structure. I can set up my own Friday is payday structure. And that means on Wednesday, because these bank transfer transfer times are still playing us for some reason, like on Wednesdays is when I do my business budgeting so that I can send my paycheck to myself on Friday. And Friday I open up my personal account and I'm like, oh, look, 
I got paid. Like, thanks, CEO of Hebron LLC. Appreciate it. Um, and that has been so essential to getting myself into a cycle of budgeting because a lot of the time, I think entrepreneurs sort of like you budget and you bookkeep never or mm-hmm. when you are in like a panicked moment and you're like, I need help. I need to hire somebody. So get yourself on a schedule for sure is the number one thing. Let me think of two of that's like my biggest after get yourself on a schedule. I'm like everything flows from that, to be completely honest. Because then you also you have a time to direct all of your financial worries to a certain time. You're like, you know what? I worry about like this. My C my CFO time is Wednesdays at 10 a.m. I'm gonna leave that question for my CFO time on like for next Wednesday. Otherwise, like all the financial kind of questions and worries are like floating all the way around. And when I treat myself as my own CFO of my company, I have CFO time, I have CFO duties, and I could box it out. And my brain is sort of freed up from there to do all the other things. I love this. And so speaking of time, people are going to probably want to spend more time with you. How could people connect with you? How do people find Felicia's wallet? Like... How can they use your tools and resources? How do they go deeper with you? Yep, absolutely. So you can find actually the free download, downloadable template of Felicia's wallet, which I've now turned turned it to burn as well because I was like, let me leave Felicia alone. She never did anything to me. Good for you. So when did this when did this change happen? The change happened, I want to say about two years ago, because I started to think about just like, I can't be building a brand off of Felicia, off of something that that was created and owned by Black culture. Like, that's not mine. And I was like, I, I don't have to like tag myself to this thing. I don't want to, it just didn't feel right, right? Just that in terms of appropriation didn't feel right. So I was like, it's Berna's wallet. It's just a download. Good for it. Berna's wallet now. Good free. for you. Good for yeah. you. Heck yes. Okay, so how do people find it? Yes, it's on heyberna.com. It's heyburner.com. It's in my shop. You can download it for free. You could also find me on Instagram at heyburna. You can find me on YouTube at heyburna, but honestly, I'm the loudest on Instagram. I'm the most obnoxious there. And you're the most fun there. That's an awesome sign. Burnett, thank you so much for generously sharing your behind the scenes of running a business and empowering entrepreneurs. I also feel like I have to thank you for opening up really personal parts of your life. I'm the kind of person that I ask questions and then it comes out and I'm like, maybe she didn't want to talk about living at her mama's house for a minute. Like, I don't, you know, it comes out, Burnett, and I'm like, oh man, maybe I need to send her some flowers after. (laughs) No, but what's so important about the conversation of any kind of financial journey is trying transparency. Like the more that I can talk about living at my family's place, like them going through bankruptcy and all of that, the more people feel unlocked, like, oh, it's okay that we talk about it. And she didn't like self-destruct. Oh, okay. And that's what I'm talking about. The unlocking the shame, we get past all of that so we can actually learn things. So if anybody feels seen by those stories and we did a good thing. Thank you. Thank you. You are living your light and creating an impact. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jasmine. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. So are you just as convinced as I am that A, we all need Berna's wallet and B, we all need Berna to cheer us on when it comes to budgeting? Yes, because I don't know about you, but this episode was so eye opening for me that finances aren't scary and talking about money does not have to be a taboo topic. If you love this episode, please connect with Berna at Hey Berna everywhere on the Internet and subscribe to the Jasmine Star Show. I'll see you next time. 